Hi there, everybody at the Next Learning Conference. I've, uh, I'm John Helmer. I've worked in learning technologies for more than 20 years, and I'm showrunner and host of two learning podcasts with listeners in 116 countries around the world. The Learning Hack, which is uh, me interviewing the people and technologies that are shaping the future of our profession, your profession. And the other is Great Minds on Learning, where I'm joined by internationally respected author, blogger and learning expert Donald Clark to discuss the, thought, the history of thought and theorising about learning from Aristotle to the present day, from the Greeks to the geeks. And Donald is actually at the conference as well. He just uh, presented uh, a very stirring keynote. Uh, and I'm here today at the conference uh, with a bit of a live audience in front of me, which, which is weird. This is a hybrid event, so I'm kind of focusing on the microphone but I'm also focusing on the people in the room and some people will be wandering around the room which is which is strange as well with the headphones on um, so I'm going to start with a show of hands uh, I'm probably going to test this hybrid format hopefully not to distractions uh, so all, all of you in front of me here with the headphones on who has ever listened to a podcast please put your hand up well of course that's easy because you're listening to one now who listens to one or more podcasts a week? Can you put your hands up? Yeah, quite a lot of you. Who listens to one or more podcasts a day? Yeah, you've got a serious habit. I'm with you. <laughs> um, who has ever listened to one of my podcasts, The Learning Hack or Great Minds on Learning? Thank you, thank you. You rock our world. Okay, so I've been podcasting for about three and a half years now, and in that time I've learned a lot about podcasting, obviously, but also, uh, as the subject of my podcast is learning, I've also learned a whole bunch about learning, theory of learning and so on. Uh, what about the listeners, uh, my listeners, have they learned anything? I often wonder that, and that thought brings me to an important question for this talk. Is podcasting really a learning medium? Hmm... So one more share of hands. This will be your last chance to put your hands up at this presentation, um, though, although there will be a Q&A later on. I'm, I'm going to point towards the microphone that I'd like you to step up to answer your questions. So we can save those up to the end of the session, and um, any questions, we'll, we'll do those then, and I'll do the best to answer them. There'll also be a little, little bit of an exercise if we have time, but I'm not going to spoil you about that. It's a secret. So... Last, hands up. Hands up if you have ever changed your behaviour or your attitudes towards any subject or your ability to carry out a task because of a podcast that you listen to. Yep. Yep. I'd say roughly 30-40% there. So podcasting is clearly a learning medium um, because some people have learned something from it. Uh, and I learned to audio engineer from um, podcasts. But that's not very scientific. Um, let's see what the literature says about why you should do podcasts for learning, the academic literature. There have been a number of fairly recent studies in higher education uh, that suggest podcasts can be a valuable tool for teaching and learning. And they say that podcasts offer flexible and personalised access to content and promote engagement and motivation. Um, also have the advantage the, that you can do them while you're doing other things. Uh, these surveys were done with higher education students, so it would be things like exercising, perhaps, or writing your essays on chat GPT, or firing up your bong, I don't know, whatever students get up to nowadays. However, the effectiveness of podcasts for learning 
depends on a range of factors, they say, including quality of content. Obviously, this is quality content you're getting now. Learners' motivation and engagement, how motivated they are to begin with, and the integration of podcasts into the curriculum. So far, so dull, really, as far as those studies go. But if we want to dig a bit deeper into the value of podcasts, we need to look at what's really different and distinctive about them compared to other media which can be used to serve up learning content. And the most obvious difference is that there are no pictures on a podcast, no text. Um, Yep, there are video podcasts. My podcasts are on YouTube. But in its purest form, it's mostly audio only. And I know my listenership is about 80% audio only. So usually the purest form of podcasting, it's just a voice or voices speaking in your ear, as I'm now speaking in your ear. There's an intimacy about that, a very special and human quality that I think we respond to. When it comes to the design of instructional events, turns out there's also some really compelling science that says these qualities of audio can be important for learning. What it comes down to, uh, it, it seems, is important differences in the way that the brain responds to visual and auditory stimuli. And the way to get at what is really special about audio learning might be to look at these contrasts and similarities. So it's about the eye versus the ear. And here with these people here, here in the hall, there, there is a contest going on between lots of people walking around, lots of things to look at, uh, a lot of signage, and then the ear, which is me talking. They're, they're, they're kind of in conflict, those things. Um, so the literature tells us it's about intention and engagement. One study found that while visual stimuli may capture attention more effectively, oral stimuli are better for maintaining attention and promoting engagement over time. So um, if I were to dress in a clown suit and wave my arms around, I'd get a lot of attention very quickly here. Um, And people might remember that in half an hour's time. uh, They might forget about it. The things I'm saying to you will be better for maintaining an attention engagement over time. You'll remember them tomorrow. For the rest of your life, you'll be thinking, oh, yeah, what did Helmer say about learning that day? Uh, And that's based on a study in 1993. Uh, Secondly, memory retention. Another study found that while visual stimuli may be better for immediate memory retention, remember that clown, um, oral stimuli better for long-term memory retention. Mental imagery. Visual stimuli actually uh, are better here. They can lead to greater mental imagery than oral stimuli. Although, you know, words can make you imagine pictures, actual pictures, you know, make you imagine pictures better. Uh, But then information processing is an important one. The processing of visual and oral stimuli differ in terms of cognitive load and complexity, which can impact learning outcomes. I'm going to talk a bit more about that, so don't worry too much if you don't get that first time around. Um, And then lastly, emotional response. Oral stimuli may be more effective at eliciting emotional responses than visual stimuli, which again can impact learning outcomes. Now that might seem a bit counterintuitive. You think, well, the movies, that is really kind of emotionally engaging, isn't it? But have you ever had that experience of watching a movie over the shoulder of somebody on a, on a long flight? And it might be a movie that you know, and it is a weird experience. It's a strange, affectless experience to watch a movie without the sound. Uh, originally, movies were silent, of course, but they were always accompanied by music. And the point of that was to kind of regulate the emotional flow, the coming and going, the high points, the low points as we watch the film. Because actually, it turns out that what comes in through our ears has a more direct response to our emotions than the pictures that that we see. 
Uh, and I have references for all these things in literature, which, which I can um, circulate later. So to zoom in on what Richard Mayer says, um, which gave us the, uh, an important part of that there. Richard Mayer, um, American educational psychologist, distinguished professor of psychology at the University of California, has made significant contributions to the theory of cognition and learning, and his famous for his multimedia learning theory. His work's absolutely essential to the work of online learning designers. Um, my co-host on The Great Minds of Learning, Donald Clark, uh, used to run a learning company, Epic, that produced oodles of online content. And he's more or less said that you shouldn't let a learning designer anywhere near a piece of online learning until they've read the work of Mayer. And according to Mayer, there are three main principles of multimedia learning that can enhance learning outcomes. Number one the multimedia principle which suggests that learning is enhanced when words and pictures are presented together rather than separately. So pictures plus sound, wow, that's uh, uh, amazing, that can blow your mind. So does that blow podcasts out of the water? Hold on for the second principle, the coherence principle. This is a really important one. That suggests that extraneous material should be minimised to reduce cognitive load and improve comprehension. Um, you could also call this the KISS principle. Um, keep it simple, stupid. I'm not insulting you people, that's what the S stands for. Um, to hold that thought, we'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. So stripping out content actually makes you focus on the, the, the content that remains more and helps you learn it. Third is the modality principle. It suggests that different strokes for different folks, different types of information are better presented through different modalities. Um, so visual uh, stimuli are better for spatial information um, an audio is better for narration or stories so maybe there are certain things that podcasts are uniquely useful um, for that we might need to do in learning uh, podcasts give you narration stories dialogues most podcasts are some type of dialogue this is a monologue unfortunately dialogues are the very basis of learning if you go back to socrates it's all about the dialogue um, most podcasts are dialogues as i said it's about presenting different points of view on a subject and letting them kind of beat against each other. And that beating is fundamental to learning. And that is something that, that podcasts really give you. They give you dialogue. They let you explore a subject through monologue or dialogue as if it were a new landscape you were entering. And they, they, they tell you stories. I think those of us who followed uh, a long-term podcast and, and even binged a podcast are aware of that. It's as if you're exploring a... A, a new land that someone's leading you through. Um, and evolutionary psychology can give you an interesting take on them, that on the modality principle. Because it turns out the human brain is really bad at remembering lists and really good at remembering paths through a landscape. Remembering lists, that's why we have PowerPoint, that's, that's why we have writing actually. The earliest forms of writing were lists. They were kind of administrative and record-keeping things. Uh, poetry and so on seems to have come a bit later um, our brain is really good at remembering stories and stories predated writing of course Homer was probably oral poetry before it was ever written down we're good at remembering paths through a landscape um, you can take that back to a hunter-gatherer past if you like I, I, I'm on the edge of my knowledge here and, it, and it's going to be a bit crude but basically you know, um, somebody goes off and finds a patch of uh, lovely avocados and comes back to the tribe and says, there are all these avocados over there. And they say, well, how do we go and find them? And they say, well, you turn left at the water hall and then I kind of 
took a detour through a field and then I fought off a bear and then I went through the Lincoln Tunnel and crossed the Candy Cane Forest. Sorry, getting distracted there. And then finally I found these avocados. And somebody from the tribe can follow these instructions fairly easily because it's hardwired into the brain. Um, and then they can find the avocados and being millennials back in that distant millennium, uh, they can all have smashed avocado for breakfast. So it's about exploring a landscape. Now I want to come back now to cognitive load. Um, so remember I wanted you to hold that thought when it came to the coherence principle because it's important. And there's one other theorist I want to talk about. He's John Sweller, educated at the University of Adelaide, Professor Emeritus now at the University of New South Wales. He gave us cognitive load theory. His greatest hit, released in the 80s. Not the best decade for recording music, if you ask me, unless you're a big AHA fan. But cognitive load has proved to stay up. According to cognitive load theory, instructional materials that reduce extraneous cognitive load, and those strip out things and keep it simple, can enhance learning outcomes. And one key advantage of an audio-only podcast is that it does that. There are less distractions. Visual information can be more complex and can require more cognitive effort to process than auditory information. So the podcast can be a, be a very stripped down piece of learning. Um, our brains, in a sense, are like computers. They're not really like computers, but in, in, in a few senses they are. And if you think a text file is really quite small, you know, it might be kind of 10 kilobytes or something like that, and then picture files are much bigger. Then video files are enormous and you can't send them on email and all the rest of it and our brain works in that same way that the um, the podcast kind of small and light and nips straight into our consciousness visual information takes a lot more processing um, and you probably need a little lie down after you've been to see a see a movie like um, everything everywhere all at once which is an absolute visual onslaught and afterwards you feel a bit phew radio programs perhaps not not so much. So if you add all those advantages together, uh, better memory retention, um, less cognitive load, we might begin to feel that yes, you should be using podcasts for learning. So the literature really points us in the direction that's a great thing to do. So at this point, uh, um, as we're about dialogue, uh, I'm going to talk about the drawbacks and the caveats and, and perhaps some things you, you need to think about there. You've got to think about hard about the context of use um, people are doing other things when they're listening to podcasts. There was a York University BBC study published back in January that looked closely into that, and it found that um, people's attentional engagement varied depending on what they were doing. So whether you were driving, holding laundry, um, exercising in the gym, or walking in, the, in a forest, it, it turns out that walking in nature is... The, the, the best way to listen to a podcast. I find when I'm walking in nature, I don't want to listen to a podcast. I want to hear the bird song. But, but there you go. That is best for your attention and engagement. And it does vary a lot. So if you're programming podcasts with, um, with, with students and, uh, and learners, you want to make sure they're aware of that difference. You know, the, these knotty, difficult bits, you want to understand that. You want to make sure you're in a context where you can focus. Another thing in the organizational workplace context, of course, is distribution. Um, LMSs don't necessarily deal that well with podcasts. They don't give you the, the, the experience you get from a commercial platform. So you kind of have a choice which way you want to go if you're using podcasts for learning. Um, and we should also say that uh, there is a difference between a, a podcast for learning and a learning podcast. My podcasts are about learning, 
they're not necessarily designed with instructional um, uh, means in, 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 in tow. There's a company that I interviewed recently on my podcast called Assemble You, who, who create learning podcasts, which are like learning packages, keep them quite small, you know, 10 minutes long and so on, and really quite different from my type of podcast. But then learning is a very broad thing. It's about information, it's about knowledge. Um, it can also be about learning in particular skills. So how are we doing for time now? I think we, we really ought to have some questions um, now. Uh, so would anybody in the room here like have a burning question they'd like to step up to the mic and ask me about what I've said? It's an important part of the learning process. Ah, oh, yes. Thank you very much. Need to lower it down a little bit. Yes, <laughs> that's very sexist to set the microphone. You Dutch people, you're so tall. I'm not, but um, I do have a question. Uh, my name is uh, Marike van der Pluim. Hi, I work at the uh, Dutch Police. Okay. Um, I was wondering about learning skills through podcasts. Yeah. Is it about procedural knowledge, or maybe even other kinds of knowledge that can also be learned through um, learning podcasts? I'd Do you I'd have some examples? I'd, I'd say that the, the type of uh, podcasts that Assemble You do are explicitly about learning skills and procedural knowledge and so on. And they're structured in such a way with quizzes afterwards and, in a cer- and uh, released in a certain context to do that because that's the instructional focus. That podcasts like mine are more about that thing of exploring a knowledge area. So if you're, you, you have kind of maybe beginner students learning philosophy, they, they, they'll want to use podcasts to get a general sense of the knowledge area, maybe hone in on specific things. But when it comes down to actually learning a skill, escaping the Ebbinghaus curve, getting that stuff into a form in your, in your mind that you can then practice and fail and try again and practice, that does take a specific learning podcast to do that. As I say, learning is a, is a broad church. Any other, any other questions? Well, thank you. Do we have time for a short exercise? Okay, because I want to end up by talking about the effective domain and what I talked about with emotion and learning. Okay, podcasts are enormously, if you think really more broadly about the value, the value of sound, voice can inspire you to greater resolve, a Churchill or a Zelensky, or contempt, a Lord Haw-Haw, Laughter, um, although it's great BBC radio comedians I enjoyed in my youth, probably had your own in, in Holland. Wonder, David Attenborough's marvellous voice over pictures of puffins and sadness, like Deborah James and her um, bowel cancer podcast. But I'd like to try a practical exercise now about the effective side of it. And this will touch on uh, the work of Stick Golden Walker, who, who um, looked into sleep. And they found that sleep is enormously effective for learning. So after you've done some learning, uh, if if, if the students who'd been in the study had a little nap after the learning, uh, they found that the the, the results and the retention was something like 20% higher, which is an enormous shift um, on on, on the meter. Uh, And people have tried this out, and and it really does work. Sleep's very important for learning. So I just tried to to try a little exercise now. I probably wearied you with um, my banging on here. So now we'd just like to take a little moment, a little pause, and to be a bit calmer now. So listen to my voice, shut out the noises all around us, the coffee machine, 
the chitter-chatter, the coming and going. Just listen to my voice. And I'm going to tell you about an exercise my primary school teacher used to do, and possibly yours did as well, which is when you got towards the end of a long day, you were beginning to feel a bit sleepy, and she was sensing her pupils slipping off. She'd ask them to put their forearms down on their knees. Could you do that for me, please? Thank you very much. Forearms down on the knees, head down on the forearms, head down on the forearms. Thank you very much. For those who aren't here in the room, they're doing it. And, and then she would tell us this, this story, and it was about some little lambs, newly born lambs, you get this time of year, and they're all in a field. They're all lying in the field. One of them looks over to the next field. The next field looks nicer than the field they're all in. So the little lamb tiptoes over to the hedge that separates the two fields and it hippy hops over into the other field. It lies down and the grass is, is more lush, softer, more velvety. And the other lambs see this and another lamb comes, tiptoes up to the hedge, jumps over lies down in the field, immediately falls into a deep, deep sleep. And then another lamb tiptoes over to the hedge and over into the other field, falls into a deep, deep sleep. And one by one, all the lambs into the other field fall into a deep, deep Wake up now, back in the room. Thank you. Now, did anyone fall asleep? Did anyone drift off? If you did, you will remember absolutely everything I said in the last half hour, according to Stick Golden Walker. So thank you very much. It, it's been wonderful talking to you all. I, I hope you've got something out of that. <laughs>